Hey, good to see you this morning. Great, grateful to be here. I do want to highlight a couple of things as, as well. I'm going to be the, I'm the backup to, to Pastor Ryan. Um, so we did have, it, obviously it's a heavy week as we think about 9-11, but it's been a, it's been a, a heavy week as a, for us as a church body. We lost uh, two, two saints of the faith, and, and uh, in Peggy Foster, I went to be with the Lord, and her visitation is uh, this Monday and at, from 6 to 8 at uh, the Sterling Funeral Home in, um, there in Dayton, then the service uh, will be Tuesday at, at 2 o'clock, and we, uh, we grieve with you, um, Rodney and Carol, particularly, and your family will be lifting lifting you up. And then as you heard Dana say, we lost uh, Miss Gill this, this week as well. Been a, been a significant part of, of this church. Visitation is this Wednesday from 5 to 8 out at uh, Navarra uh, Funeral Home there in Baytown. And then the funeral service will be at 10 o'clock on, on Thursday. So be lifting up Lee and Ellen and their, their family. We will feel the, the loss and we, we share together as a family. When when a family member, we, we lose a family, and particularly for those family, we, we want to stand alongside them and lift them up. Well, today, not only is it just 9-11, you know it's a, it is another special day. Did you know today is Grandparents' Day? Grandparents' Day. Yes. How many of you are grandparents here? All right, here's what I want you to do. If you're a grandparent, would you stand up? If you're listening online and you're a grandparent, go ahead, just stand where you are too. Stand up, grandparents. Hey, this is, you have one of the most amazing jobs in the world, and we are, you are a blessing. Let's just give them thanks. Stay seated, stay standing. I want to just take a moment and give, I want to pray uh, over you guys. I mean, I'm just thankful for how God can, how you, uses you to um, leaving a, a legacy behind. So let me, let me just take the joy of this, of this opportunity to, to pray over you. Father, thank you for this special day of Grandparents Day. And we as a church just want to give thanks and praise for those, these who are standing here in the room, maybe those online listening, standing. Thank you for the blessing of grandparents. I know in my own life that the, the impact, the shaping that, that, that all of my grandparents did in my life. And so I pray, God, you would use them in powerful ways as disciple makers, followers of Jesus, to make followers of Jesus, not in just their kids, but particularly as they invest and they give themselves into their grandkids. Bless them. Again, God, thank you for, for the joy and the, and the blessing of these dear, fight, dear saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, and speaking of grandparents, this Thursday, this Thursday, we're starting something new. We're starting something new. It's called Grandparent, Grandparenting Matters. It's a time we're going to meet on the first and the third Thursday of the month. And, and it's, every, if you're a grandparent, I would encourage you to be a, come be a part of this. It's, uh, we'll gather for an hour, an hour beginning at 6 o'clock. And it's just about encouraging grandparents. It's kind of challenging in your role as a disciple maker in your families. It's to share prayer requests and to pray in a fellowship together. 6 o'clock this Thursday right up here. Be there or be square. All right? Super excited about that. Hey, we've got a lot of um, new things coming up. We have our normal Wednesday um, night service. Um, Craig leads that. He's finishing up in the book of John and 
going to be moving into the book of Revelation. Our women's ministry, they have a get-together at 5 o'clock this afternoon and are going to be kicking off a new women's Bible study this Wednesday at 6.30. I'll also be leading a new Bible study, a men's study at uh, 6.30 called uh, Disciplines for a Godly Man. would encourage you. If, you're not, if you haven't been involved, bring your whole family. We've got things for children, little ones, all the way up through youth and now, now adults. Encourage you to come be a part of that. This Tuesday, um, I'll be starting a new Bible study as well, uh, just walking through the book of Hebrews. 10 o'clock, just come and uh, learn about Hebrews. Learn about the book of Hebrews. It's a great book that puts Jesus on display. All right, that's it for my soapbox. A lot of of wonderful things. I want you to get connected here at at, uh, uh, First Baptist. several, Several years back, when we were living in Arkansas, I was on the, the back porch, and I was, um, I was grilling steaks. I was grilling steaks, and, uh, and then this unfortunate series of events took place. I had uh, finished grilling the steaks to perfection, and, you know, and I, was, I had placed them on the, uh, on the uh, serving tray. And as I was walking, I had the, the tongs sitting there on top. And as I was walking into the house to show off these steaks to the family, the tongs slipped off the, the tray. And I guess something, they were much stouter than these right here. But they caught me on my foot. And I, it was just enough to make me bobble. And guess what? One of those steaks went down and right onto the concrete. And... Five second. Well, I, I mean, I had you know, I was like, oh goodness, what? So I, I turn around, I put, I set the steaks uh, up on the on the tray of the of the grill, and I went back to get the steak and Sparky, our <laughs> yes, you know where this is going. He dove in and took hold of that steak and charged out, and here I am. I grabbed the tongs and I'm like, Sparky, stop, Sparky. Well, eventually, after about 30 seconds of running around in our backyard, he did stop. And he's looking at me, and he has the steak in his mouth. And he's kind of looking at me like, (laughs) drool coming out both sides. And I'm like, Sparky, Sparky, drop it. Sparky, drop it. And he did the unbelievable. No, he dropped the steak onto the grass, bit down, licked it, and then looked up me, and I can, I can, I'm telling you that he smiled. <laughs> now, my y- y'all know how he would smile. He, he did that little thing, and I'm like, and I'm like, good boy. I thought, is he going to pick it up and run again? And I reached down there, and I grabbed it, and I'm like, oh, good boy. I wasn't sure to be mad at him or to be, like, thankful. But I did what every good man would do. With that steak, it was time to save it, right? So I went back to the, to the porch. You know, it's slimy. It's got grass on it. And I'm like, all right, there's just enough for the family. I got to, uh, no one had seen, they didn't see any of the commotion in the back. I thought, I'm, I'm okay here. So I went over to the side. We have a faucet over there. And of course, I rinsed, rinsed it off real good. And I'm like, well, okay, I threw it onto the grill. You know, you, you got you to gotta kill the germs, even though they, I'm told that dog saliva has healing properties, right? So I, but 
I thought, I better, I better go do that. So I threw the other steaks on there, and I, I let them warm up and um, put them back on the tray and went inside, and our family enjoyed a wonderful steak meal together. <laughs> now, they're looking at me like, did I eat that steak? Now, here's the deal. I will never tell. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a good night. It was a good night. <laughs> Well, the amazing thing about this story is not uh, saving a steak. It's, it's, it's really what our dog Sparky uh, did. did. Did a picture go up there? Now, that was not Sparky. I thought, but you know, I saw some laughter there. Yeah, there he is. That's not Sparky, but it was something very similar to that. <laughs> oh, goodness. But he, you know, in two bites, our, our golden lab could have just downed that steak. But for, for some reason, he... He saw me, and I'm looking eyeball to eyeball. I mean, drop it, and he, he obeyed me. He obeyed my command and dropped it. I think that's the only time he obeyed me. <laughs> you know, in our passage today, Jesus is going to encounter two sets of brothers, and, and he gives a two-word command, and they drop everything to follow him. They drop everything to follow him. Today, Jesus calls us with this same, this same two-word command, and he's calling us, just like these early disciples, to drop it, to drop everything and follow, follow him. So if you would turn with me to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew. The first four books of the New Testament are called Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are the four Gospels. Uh, they tell the story of, of Jesus' life in ministry, his death, resurrection. Over the next three weeks, we're, we're going to be in a sermon series called Follow Me. Follow Me. We're going to look at people who encountered Jesus and whose lives were radically transformed as they, as they met him and followed him, obeyed him. This morning, we're going to be looking at Jesus' first disciples. The word disciple, it's a, it's a simple word. It means a, a follower, a disciple of Jesus or someone who followed Christ. So when you hear me war, use that word disciple, it means a follower or discipleship, one who follows, follows, and as Christians, we follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. If you're using one of the Bibles there in the pew rack, you can find our passage on page 809. Again, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. So while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, speaking of Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. I think as we walk through this passage, think about this passage, there's one question that, that, that needs to be addressed here. 
it's, it's, it lays it out there on the table. What does it mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean? What does it look like to follow Jesus? And as we think about this question, we're going to first look at the, at the characters, the characters in our passage. Let's look at the characters. Well, Jesus is in the region you just read about. It. It's called Galilee. Now, Galilee was the, the northern part of, of Israel. And then you had Judea in the south and then Samaria in the middle. Samaria, um, these were folks who, who were Jews who intermarried. And so the Jews who mainly lived down in Judea, they really didn't like the Samaritans. In fact, they would travel around to, to, to not even have to go through uh, that region. Uh, Judea was in the south was... Um, I mean, it's where more of the kind of the educated, it's where the religious folks lived. I mean, Jerusalem was at the center of Judea, and that's where the, the temple was. And so it was kind of the highfalutin place to be. Now, Galilee was more rural there in the north. Uh, you had more of the Gentiles, not Jews, they living there, more common folks, ordinary people, exactly the kind of people that Jesus meets here out on the sea. Now, the first two characters in our story are, are Simon, also known as Peter. Sometimes we hear his name, Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew. They're fishermen by trade. Simon and Andrew had a, had a very simple fishing um, enterprise. They had these, uh, these small kind of circular nets, and on the outside of this net, they, there would be weights and they would bring this net, and they would throw it kind of in a circular motion, and it would, it would land into the water and, and sink down kind of like a parachute. Any fish, it would, it would gather, and either it would hit the bottom or, um, or at the end of the rope, and then these guys, they, they'd hoist it, hoist it up pretty heavy, had all these weights on there, and they'd bring it up into the boat, get out any fish, uh, that they caught or debris, they clean it out, then they do do it again. They do it all day long, catching, catching fish. It was a, it was a hard job. These guys, um, I mean, these guys were, were probably chiseled just from the, from the kind of work that, that they did. They did not have to go to a gym to work out for sure. Now, James and John were also fishermen, but their outfit was a little bit more on the commercial side of things. They were in a large boat that could seat as many as uh, 15 people. It had um, two sets of oars on one side, two sets of oars on the, on the other. This boat was about 26 and a half feet long and about seven and a half feet uh, wide. It was even equipped with, um, with the ability to cook. Now, this boat would, would mainly go out during the, during the night. And so the fishermen, they would fish all night. They had a very complex kind of net system that they used, a huge, huge uh, compound net, had three different uh, levels, and fish would go in. Um, I won't go into all the details. It, it, was, it was massive. And these men, they would go out, and they cast this net out, and a bunch of them, they have to hoist this thing in, and there'd be all kinds of fish and stuff. And they would get those fish out, and then they'd set it out again all through the night. Jesus comes to these guys, and they are, um, they're there in the morning now, and it's, they're repairing the net. They, they, do, they work the night shift, always working the night shift. And then they spent most of the morning, probably up until lunchtime, fixing or mending uh, the, the net from the, from the night's use. It was hard, back-breaking work. 
I think it's incredibly notable that Jesus began his ministry there in Galilee and chose four common fishermen to be his first followers, his disciples. He didn't start out in Jerusalem. He didn't reach out to the, to the highest intellects or the religious elite of the time. No, he, he came to ordinary, just hardworking people. Just think about that for a moment. God sent his son. God sent his son on a grand rescue mission for sinners like you and me. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, that sin infected everything like a disease. And it went and it got, it got a hold of all of us. We are all sinners by nature and by choice. And we couldn't earn our way back into relationship with God. That sin comes with a penalty forever separated from God in a punishment we call hell, an awful place. But out of incredible love, God sent his son to bring us back into relationship, a rescue mission. And Jesus did it. He came and lived a a perfect life, sinless life. He went to a cross and died there in our place as a substitute for us. But it's interesting, when he after he left this earth, the, the message of that rescue mission was left with these guys, with these four and a couple other guys. That's who he entrusted ordinary guys to carry out the message of salvation to establish his church. It's amazing. Friends, you don't have to be a superstar to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. In fact, Jesus I mean, he just uses ordinary people like you and me. Friends, that ought to be a massive encouragement to all of us. Every one of you, every one of us, I'm not saying that you're, I mean, you guys are all extraordinary. But I mean, we're, we're just really, we, we work, we have family, we're just, we, we are kind of ordinary, right? I mean, you're not going to find my name in a, on the side of a big building somewhere. It's just not, I mean, we're just, but God uses people like you and me Ordinary people to do the extraordinary. Just natural people to do the supernatural. You know, Jesus, after Jesus died and was risen from the dead, Peter, one of these guys here, Peter would go on, just this simple fisherman, probably had a, probably had a deep draw, Galilean draw. And he used this guy to preach this incredible sermon we read about in the book of Acts. He preaches, and by the, by the Spirit of God, 3,000 people came to faith in that one. Like, I mean, you're just literally like, who is this guy? I mean, I don't know, I'm just looking around like, I was thinking, um, Elmer. It'd be like Elmer or boy, or any of us. All of a sudden, like Elmer, out of the blue goes, and he's, he, he comes up here and he preaches, and 3,000 people come to Christ. I mean, you're like, how does that happen? How does an ordinary guy I mean, like me, I, who am I to be standing before you, you know, preaching God's word? I mean, he, and you, he, he uses us in our spheres of influence to point people to Jesus. And that's what he did with us. It's what he did with Peter. Andrew was a, he was, an, again, another ordinary guy. And we don't know a lot about him. But every time we read about him, he's bringing people to Jesus. That's all he's doing. Hey, come on, I got to introduce you to this man, Jesus. I love this guy. We're going to talk a bit more about him. I wish, I wish we had more Andrews just bringing people to, to meet Jesus, to experience life 
through Jesus. Then you had James. James would go on to be the first, first one martyred for his faith as a, as a disciple of Jesus. And then John. John would write the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He would also write four of the last five books that we have in our, in our Bible. He was exiled because of his faith on, onto a, an island called Patmos and would, uh, would, and would die there. Ordinary fishermen doing incredible things for God. Friends, if he can use ordinary fishermen, I'm just looking in this room. What could he do through you and me? What could he do in our community? What could he do in our state and nation and world? He could take us, ordinary people, fill us with his presence and power and do massive things for the honor and glory of his name. Friends, we do. We need more Andrews. People just simply willing to bring people to church. It's like, hey, let me introduce you to, I want you to experience what's going on here. These four fishermen. But there is a central character in our passage. Obviously, his name is Jesus. Jesus calls out, follow me. Follow me. He's not calling them to to follow a ritual or to follow some program, to follow some mission statement, even though those things could be good. He's not calling them to, uh, to follow some kind of philosophy. He's not calling them to follow a denomination. Again, those things can be okay, but what he's calling them to, he says, follow me. He's calling them to a person. Follow me. He's calling them to himself. First couple of chapters in Matthew, the first four chapters, uh, Matthew, who's the author, he's one of the disciples, and he, he paints the picture of who, who Jesus is. And then he's highlighting it here right before he gets to Jesus' most powerful sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's saying, hey, here's Jesus calling these first disciples, but here's why, they, here's why they're following him. And he, he talks about Jesus as Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who's coming as Savior and Deliverer He's in, in the genealogy or this list of where Jesus, his family line, he says he's the, the son of David. In fact, Jesus is coming from royal lineage. He's the son of Abraham. He's the, he, he's the, he's the son of the, of the people that God chose for himself, the people of Israel. Again, he's the Savior, Deliverer. He's the righteous judge over the nations. He's fully human, yet at the same time, fully divine. He is the light of the world and the hope for all people. That's who Matthew is setting up here, and that's who these disciples, that's who they're encountering. This is the one whom the fishermen were to follow. And it's no wonder when they heard those words from that man, follow me, that they drop it and they go after him. Friends, when we follow Jesus, we're not following a fad. The king of the universe, our savior, our deliverer, our hope, he's asking us to follow him. He's not someone that we simply follow on Instagram. He's not just saying, hey, how many followers do you have? Oh, I got the... It's, Man, he is way bigger than that. The one who, who spoke and things came into existence. The, this one who created all things, who 
took dirt and was God breathed it. The same God, this is Jesus, is calling you and me to follow him. That just blows my mind. It'd be like um, LeBron James coming in and saying, hey, follow me into the gym. Let's go shoot some hoop. I mean, what would you do? Oh, I'm good. I mean, no way. He'd be like, LeBron James? Yeah, come on, man. I want you to come in with me and let's, let's shoot some hoop. I mean, I'm in there. I'd be like, hey, uh, Dana, come up. Take my place a minute. I'm going to go shoot some hoop, right? This is Jesus, the king of the universe, and he says, come follow me. Oh, my word. He is worthy. He is worthy of our full devotion and allegiance. Friends, who are you following? What are you following? Is it, is it Jesus? Is it, maybe, is it, maybe it is Jesus, but is it some little pocket Jesus that you pull out on Sundays for an hour and then put him back away for the rest of the week? Or are you following this King of kings and Lord of lords who deserves the, the highest place in our lives? You know, those same two words that Jesus spoke to these four fishermen are the same two words he speaks to you and me today. He comes to you in person, the person of Jesus Christ, and he says, follow me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? This brings us to our second point, the call. Look at the characters, the call. Jesus isn't giving an instruction to these fishermen. Rather, he's giving them a call to obedience, a call to obedience. Follow me. In the language, it's, it's an imperative. It's, it's a command. It's not a suggestion here. It's a command. You know, when we read this passage, it seems as though these four men, you know, some stranger walks up and he says, follow me. And they're like, okay. And they drop everything and just follow him. It's, we get a little bit more insight when we read in the fourth gospel, the, the account from John. There's a little bit more context here. These, at least three of these men knew Jesus. They had been, some of them had been following him around a little bit. Andrew was a disciple of, uh, was a follower of John the Baptist. And when John said, um, behold, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, then Andrew's like, okay, I'm with him. And he started uh, kind of following Jesus in an informal way. But these guys, these guys, uh, at least three of them were at Jesus' first miracle when he was at a wedding in, in a town called Cana. Water, the, the wine had run out, and um, Jesus turned water into, into wine. And it kind of set his ministry in, in motion. They witnessed that, and they're like, yeah, this guy, there's something special about this guy. This guy is... In fact, after that miracle, the scripture says they believed him. They believed in who he was. So when Jesus shows up out there on, on the Sea of Galilee, they recognize him. And he tells them to, to follow me. He interrupts their work and issues this call, this command, follow me. For these men, the decision was easy. It was an easy one to make. They would drop everything and go after him. You know, in Jesus' day, young men wanting to learn uh, from, a, from a teacher, sometimes called a rabbi, what they would do, they would approach the rabbi or the teacher 
and say, hey, I would like to learn and I'd like to study you, like to follow in your steps. And then if the rabbi agreed, he would say, sure, you can be one of my disciples. And then they would, they would, um, they would follow him that way. When Jesus turns this thing upside, he always turns things upside down. And that's exactly what he does here. Instead of these guys coming to him, Jesus is going to them. Jesus is going to these guys. He chose them rather than the other way around. John 15, 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me. He's speaking to the disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or remain or last. Friends, we don't have to earn Jesus' favor. It's not our goodness. It's not our works. It's not our abilities. It's not our potential that earns us the right to be a follower of Jesus. We don't have to do things. We don't have to come to him and say, oh, please, 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 can I, can I be a part? No, it's by God's grace that he calls any of us. It's all his grace. Friend, left to our own, we wouldn't choose him. We choose other things. But the fact that he calls us to follow him, I mean, really, it should bring us to our knees and just humble praise and gratitude, thankful that he would, by his grace, come and, and call me to his own. But how can we say, when Jesus comes to us and gives the call, follow me, how can we say no? How can we say, well, maybe, maybe later? It's a command, a call, worthy of only one response. And this response will come at a cost. It will come at a cost. You have the characters, the call, and now the cost. When Jesus calls each set of these brothers, the, the same response is made. In verse 20, it says that immediately, immediately, Simon and Andrew left their nets and they followed him. Then in verse 22, it says that immediately, James and John left their boat and left their father, Zebedee, that's a great name. Zebedee, and they followed him without delay, without hesitation, immediately. I mean, right there, boom, dropped them, got out, and followed Jesus. Their father's like, hey, where are you guys going? We're with him. How, are you gonna, how long are you going to be? Are you going to be back for dinner? No, we're with him. We're giving our lives to this man. Like, what in the world? Responding in, in, in a immediate obedience is uh, it's really a recognition of the authority and the respect of the person. It's also how we honor those in, in authority. You know, if, I got, if I got pulled over by the Mont Bellevue police for speeding, I didn't, but if I did, I'm not saying that I couldn't, I might. Um, if I got pulled over and the police officer came up and said, I need to see your, your license and registration. And if I said something like, well, hey, just give me a minute. I need to make a phone call. I've got to talk to my friend. I've got a couple things I need to do real quick. Can you hang loose just a second? I mean, I, this does not go well, right? I mean, it, it just sounds wrong. And then he'd probably say, I need you to step out of the car. 
Um, hey, just a minute, I've got to finish my sandwich here. I mean, you, you just don't do it out of respect for who that officer is, his authority. I mean, I, I obey. And I, hey, you need my license registration? Here you go. Hey, step out of the corner. Hey, sure, I'm right out. I'm right out. You know, delayed obedience, friends, actually, it's, it's disobedience. I think I've said this before. I mean, I, you know, when parents, if you're a parent and you count, and you tell your kids to do something, and then you start counting, I mean, you're, you're just delaying their obedience. Like, hey, come here. And, and it's like, all right, one. I mean, what, I mean, what is that? I've always tried to, like, figure that out. Like if they're running, about to run out into the street, and you say, hey, don't go run out in the street. One, two. I'm like, what in the world? Now, we didn't do it perfectly, but we always tried to teach our kids immediate obedience. I mean, not delayed obedience. Because um, it's delayed obedience is not, is not obedience at all. These fishermen immediately left everything, and they followed Jesus you know, friends, there may be some of you here today who are on the brink of delayed obedience. Friends, we, don't, we all do it if we're honest. You've, maybe you're here and you've sensed God leading you to, to do something for Him. Maybe you've been in God's Word and you've, you've read some kind of call to action. Maybe, maybe you've been thinking about joining our church. Like, hey, I saw, saw something about step one, that connect class. Uh, maybe maybe next, next round. Friend, come. If the Lord's been calling on you, he's been tugging at your heart, come. Give us 30 minutes. I want to share with you about the mission and vision of our church and help get you connected to what God's doing here. Maybe you felt the Lord tugging at your heart to, to trust him as Savior and follow him in baptism. Why delay Man, none of us are promised tomorrow. Follow him. Follow him. Drop it and follow him. But notice, too, the cost of following Jesus. These early disciples, they didn't just follow Jesus for a couple of days. No, they followed him for the next three years. Now, they would interact some probably with their family, but they left everything to go, go with him. They left their livelihoods, their assets, their comforts, their family, their friends, their responsibilities, their obligations, their comfort, their, their futures. Like they, Zebedee's there like, son, this, this is y'all's business here. What, what, are you, what are you walking away from? We're, go, we're, we're with him. What, what, about, what about your mom and me? I mean, I, what? we're with him. Dad, I love you, but we're going with him. Following Jesus is costly. Now, don't hear me say that to follow Jesus, you have to give up your careers and your homes, your earthly possessions, your families, and be willing to die for the sake of the gospel. For some, he calls that. But for most of us, that's not, that's not the case. What it does, what it does mean is that we reorient the things in our lives so that they no longer revolve around me, but they revolve around him. Your jobs, they're not just a means to provide for your families. They're the means by which God uses you to, 
to make his name known. You now see your possessions as not belonging to you, but they belong to Jesus, in which you steward them for his honor and glory. You leverage your time and your talents and your treasures all for, for Jesus. You're, you're looking for ways. Hey, I've got this time. How can I serve him? How can, is there a team? Hey, John, is there a team at the church where I can get involved in and start giving my life away, my talents and my treasures? I mean, how can I serve? I mean, hey, I've got a whole list of things. Every one of us has a place. You've been, in fact, in our step two, discover purpose. That's where you learn, hey, I've got these skills and I've had these experiences. I've got, I've got giftings. I've got a person. I've got all this. God has shaped me. He's gifted you for ministry to serve and make a difference, to impact eternity. You leverage all of this for him. We drop all things so that we can live for the one thing alone whose name is Jesus. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3, 7 and 8. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I've been... You know, one of our one of our staff members, Thomas and Leslie. You know, years, uh, it's been about a year ago, not quite a year ago. He left his church. He just kind of you know, left the church that he was serving. Felt God was leading him to, you know, to to start a, a new work. And he's he's had to make a lot of sacrifices. Your family's made all kinds of sacrifices. Now they're pulling together this this team, and the Lord's the Lord's blessing. But it's been hard. It's been hard. But you're following Him. He's given you a call, and you're following Him. And hopefully, the first of the year, we as a church are going to get behind them and send them off and and see God do a new work south of south of ten. I don't know what He's calling you to. But you can trust him when he says, follow me. He will give you everything that you need. Give you everything you need. So let me just ask a couple questions. What nets are you still holding on to? What nets haven't you dropped yet? What are you clinging to that keeps you from following Jesus with all your being? Who or what do you follow more than Jesus? Is it a hobby? Maybe it's a career. Maybe if you're like me, I like to cling to my comforts and my time. Kind of jealous over those things. Again, these things are good. They can be good things. But when they are the sun in our solar system, our lives are are out of whack. David Platt says it this way, to, to lay down everything in your life doesn't make sense until you realize who the king is. Once you realize this, leaving behind all things is the only thing that makes sense. Why do you think my dog dropped that steak? Was it because he didn't like the taste of it? Of course not. Maybe he realized that he was in trouble. I don't know. That little smile, I think, 
I think he dropped it simply to please his master. Friend, to follow Jesus and please the master, there is no greater joy. No greater joy. All of us need to be reminded that King Jesus is asking us to follow him. He is good. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. There is no greater joy than seeking to please him in all that we do. Please him in your relationships. Pleasing him in your marriages. Pleasing him in your, in your school. Pleasing him at your church with your life. Jesus, my friend, is worth dropping everything for. It's costly. But to not do it is even more costly. There's one last thing I want you to see from this from this text, Jesus' commission, commission. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. He's calling them to a mission. Instead of using their nets to gather fish, he's going to use them to gather in lives changed by the power of the gospel. Followers of Jesus make followers of Jesus. We are all called, we're all commissioned to make disciples, to make followers of Jesus. If you're a parent, that's your number one job. It's, just, it's not just getting your kids through high school, whew, we did it. It is, it is discipling them. It is helping them to become a, a deeply devoted follower of, of Jesus. And friends, there's no greater task as a parent than that. I already mentioned how Andrew was often found bringing people to Jesus. Man, I, I love that about that man. I pray for more and more Andrews. I want to be more like Andrew. I want you all to be more like Andrew. Just bringing people, bringing people to experience life through Christ, to, to, to come and, and see, encounter Jesus. Just invite them to church. Friend, who are you praying for? Who are you intentionally building a relationship with so that you might invite them to church? All of us can do it. In fact, this is a great church. In fact, it's fun to actually invite people here. And then you have great conversations. In fact, October 2nd, Ryan mentioned it, is our Connect Sunday. That is a perfect day to invite somebody to church. I mean, we're going to have food. We're going to have fun with the kids, and we're going to have um, some testimony. It's going to be a great day. Start praying for your friend. Build some relationship and invite them on that Sunday. And then trust God. Just like, like Andrew, just bring them to Jesus and see what happens. You know, every Christian here has a story. Your life has been changed, and you've been given a new hope and an eternal future. Friend, just share your story. What's God been doing? Just tell somebody. It doesn't have to be fancy. In fact, it's not the power of your story that changes lives. It's the story's power that changes lives. It's Jesus who has the power to take dead hearts and make them alive again. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We don't have to do it. We don't even have to do it. Jesus is in, he's the one with the power behind it all. Follow Jesus, and he'll do the rest. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? 
What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, it means we hear his voice call out those two words and we drop everything and follow him. I mean, that's exactly what it means. We reorient our lives so that Jesus is the center of gravity in our lives. For some of you, it means maybe taking that first step to follow him. It means responding in obedience and trusting him as your Savior and Lord. You come to him and there's no magic formula. There's no, sometimes we call it the sinner's prayer. There's no sinner's prayer in the Bible, but you just come to Jesus and you say, you just come to him and say, Lord, I'm, I'm in need of you. I need a transformation. I'm a sinner and I have no way back to you, but thank you for sending your son who died on the cross and took my sin and now offers me eternal life. I come to you. I turn from, from that and now I am ready to follow you. And when you do that, you are made new. You are brought into his family and you are given the promise of eternal life. Friend, Jesus might be saying to you, follow me. Don't delay. Follow him. Maybe even as I was praying, you're like, man, that's my prayer. I want, I want to talk to you after the service. Come down. I'll be standing right there. Come, come visit with me. For others of you, it means maybe committing to a local church, maybe committing to this church. Step one, right after the service, get connected. Step two, discover purpose. This is where we learn about our gifts and we, we get engaged. Step three, join a team. Get, start serving. We have all kinds of areas for you to begin giving your life away, serving others. There is no greater joy, no greater fulfillment. Maybe plug it into a library. We, we just mentioned all these new life groups that are coming up. This grand, grandparenting matters. Uh, we're gonna, we started a new one for graduating seniors this year. Um, uh, once a month on Monday. It's called Senior Sessions. I want to invite you. Our first one's going to be on at our house on the 19th at 7 o'clock. Come be a part. We're just going to talk about what does it look like uh, after high school? You know, what, how do we, how do I, how, we're going to equip you and help you in that. Get connected. Get in a life group. Serve. Give your life away to King Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means dropping every, everything so that we can cling tightly to Jesus and be on mission for him. It's a cause truly worth giving up everything for. Will you follow him? Will you follow him? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for, for your grace that would come to a sinner like me and say, follow me. God, thank you that your son comes to every one of us. He's coming to us this very day and saying, follow me. And I don't know what that means, but I know it's, there's a next step for everyone in this room. And I pray even now as we, in a minute, we'll stand and sing, God, you would just give us the courage to take that step. Maybe there's things that we need to lay down. Maybe it's just, just coming to you and saying, Lord Jesus, I want you to be the center of gravity and maybe committing just to spend a little bit more time with him each day. 
Maybe it is inviting, you know, just being intentional in our relationships, seeing our jobs, our, our spheres of influence, our place at school, wherever it is, in our neighborhoods, and build relationships just like Andrew to invite them to, to meet Jesus. So God, however we can follow you, God, we say yes. We say yes to Jesus. Help us in that, in Jesus' name.